This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <laughs> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Are air source heat pumps really a good alternative to normal gas boilers? <laughs> He's such a d- that <laughs> <laughs> Leicester City have a penalty kick in the six minutes of injury time. Injury time. Injury time. Knockout takes. Almunia saves. Knockout follows in. Almunia saves again. And now Watford are on the counter attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Troy Dini has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. You're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Joining us this time round, Scott Fitzgerald. Good evening, Scott. How are you? Very good, thank you. Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Scott. Much appreciated. Justin kind of approached me as we were talking just before um, before we, we started recording. You were playing in a, in a testimonial down at Willstone uh, and Justin called you over as you were probably blowing out your eyes saying come on our podcast and, and yeah. you very you very kindly accepted so appreciate that your your story is is quite a unique one and there's a don't just say the word myth but there, there, there's a little bit of myth around it with regards to uh northwood and, and we'll get to that that shortly but for me i i'm I, I live in northwood i've got a business in northwood i was kind of familiar with the story and the whole jay demerit side of it yeah. and, and everything so it's kind of nice to actually speak to you from how you were you were there and then obviously going going on to watford but I'm right in saying um, Hillingdon born? Hillingdon born, yeah. Born at Hillingdon Hospital. Yeah, born and bred. Lived in, grew up in and around Rysett. Uh, secondary school was at Hayden, Northwood Hills. Uh, near the, near the test yeah, centre. Yeah, I know it. Yeah, that's it. So it's all, but yeah, so it's all um, been been in and around there for years, really, in and around that area. Just just tell us how, how you kind of got into in, into getting with Northwood. Yeah, really. so that was, um, went to school with a couple of mates who played uh, Sunday League with uh, Northwood. So it started off there at under 17s, under 18s level. Um, and then, went into the Allied counties um, into the reserves from there and uh, yeah it was just um, they were quite successful Northwood at the time mm. really good first team yeah managed to work my way into the first team got a few appearances and then over the next kind of two three years yeah managed to establish myself as a first team regular really and like I said we had a, a great squad of like non-league players you know some of the players of, of like the Dave Nolan um, the Gavin Hartz of the world um, they were like kind of non-league stalwarts and they were like brilliant in them around the uh, non-league scene so mm. having all them in kind of one one team was um was brilliant yeah and allowed me to become the player i was really yeah you scored some goals for Norfolk, didn't you yes yeah i can't remember how many i've scored um but it was brilliant i always say to people if youtube and uh facebook social media was more around back then with everyone with an iphone back then like we all had them but unless you were playing snakes on your phone that was about uh, <laughs> so it was it, you know and I, just some of the goals i scored and i tell people about them now and it's just like you know it's it's hard 
for them to believe me, really. Without Seven, the book. <laughs> 74 goals you scored, according to yes. uh, my research. Right. Yeah, very good. Very good. Yeah, so it was. It was brilliant. Absolutely loved it when I was there. And just, uh, I think the season I got picked up from at Northwood, I think I was on 30-odd by January. Yeah, it was really good. And like I said, being in a team where the chart, you got created so many chances and stuff like that for you. It was um, it was brilliant and led me on to the, the bigger and better things. Were you yeah. always a striker then, or did you play in other uh, positions? I was a striker, stroke um, winger, right winger, some of the time as well. Um, that was always always my two positions, really. Um, and then predominantly ended up being more of a striker as the kind of the years went on and got a bit bigger and stuff like that, become more of a uh, a bit of a target man. And I was very quick as well, so I often played up up front just off people and what have you. But yeah, so it was either of them two positions that um, I kind of stuck to. So while you were at Northwood, did you did you have a job as well? You presume you weren't a pro at Northwood, were you? Yes, no, I wasn't a pro at Northwood. No, I was on uh, fifty pound a week. I think I was on right. Uh, okay, <laughs> beer money. So, uh, that was beer money. Literally, I don't think it left the bar on a Saturday after you got it. On- <laughs> Uh, it was a brilliant time back then honestly they had such a good crowd with us and um, great supporters you know it was minimal so it wasn't loads but there was you know the odd 150 100 or something like that 150 but you get to know them all so well and so you'd end mm. up spending it in the bar so um, yeah and I was working a, a company called Fujitsu uh, who supply like your hard disk drives and stuff like that working in sales administration hated it really but it was just I was young football was what it was about and so I didn't really know where or what I wanted to do other than be a professional footballer and, and that was it really that was my target So you, you actually had dreams of being a professional footballer did you think this is actually ever going to happen or did you think oh I don't know Yeah I mean I kind of thought early 20s it was kind of that this is your last chance anything beyond 21, 22 it's really kind of you know the non-league scene for the rest of your career yeah. um, but I never you know kind of around that time never gave up playing the Northwood scoring loads of goals and um, you know kept on asking people for trials and kept like going go on bring people down I said I just want to crack at it I reckon I can do it and um yeah thankfully um managed to get the scouts down to watch so so is that how you lucky. is that how you became a pro you got scouted or yeah so it was um so there was a uh, lovely physio we had down at Norford who used to always work at um he was full-time at Chelsea as a physio older guy George Price lovely guy passed away now sadly um yeah. but he was um he got the scouts down from Chelsea to watch me at Northwood and like with a lot of times within the pro like turning pro and, and getting spotted you know I ended up playing really well and scoring a brilliant goal and Chelsea were down at the time and um, after that game got offered a two week trial at Chelsea where I spent a great two weeks really working with the likes of uh, Steve Clark was the reserve team manager at the time so managed to uh, spend a good time with him for two weeks ended up going playing a couple of games there once one was against QPR's first team again scored top corner played well um, and then the following week we played Ipswich uh, in a reserve team game again and again scored and just played really well I was up front with Colton Cole um, so it was like it was it was brilliant um, and it just so happened that Watford were watching thankfully Watford got in touch as well and offered me a week's trial and I went there and by the Thursday it was offered a two year deal I'm trying to remember yeah. so was it Ray Lewington who was the manager then I'm trying to remember Ray Lewington was. was the manager so I never actually played any reserve team games um, but we did uh, we had a few training sessions um, and again managed to to score a couple of goals in training a couple of good goals passed it moved well um, and just kind of I took to it so well really the full-time training you know I was quite I was always keeping myself fit anyway playing non-league when I wasn't playing or training I was down the gym on a on a Monday and a Wednesday Mm. and a Friday and I'd play on a Tuesday and a train on a Thursday and play on a Saturday so because football was always I wanted to do and I was going to do what I could to get there so um, so yeah so I was relatively you know fit anyway and young so it just um, it was just brilliant when that phone call got made and I was being offered a two-year deal couldn't believe it now Carla I imagine this is where the myth thing might come in is this well yeah there was always that you've probably heard it before that apparently we paid a pound for you but I don't know how I don't know how true that is it's just all Uh, Norfolk have never received a transfer fee for any player no no so at the time I was under contracts there but as I said we were such a great club it was never they were never going to stand in the way of my dreams Um, so yeah they never received any fee the only thing they asked for I think was a pre-season friendly the following season which they got and that's where Jay Demerit was spotted Jay Demerit yeah of course so so basically it's down to you that we got Jay Demerit exactly and I've never got (laughs) 
Street. I didn't star in his movie, nothing. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, when we spoke to Jay, he did say it was at that game that he got spotted. So he, got spotted, yeah, yeah. he does. Yeah, yeah. Did you play with him at Northwood then, or was he, were you gone by uh, then? No, no, because I got spotted the year, the season before, right. um, just when I was at North, uh, when I was at Northwood. So, and he joined in the summer. I think he'd only joined there, played a few games, I believe. Um, and it just so happened, obviously, he started in that in that game against uh, against me, actually. Oh, he was he was on you. He, you were he was on me. Yeah, uh, I, I, I remember going to that game, and I think I'm sure it was Hyder Helgerson got absolutely smashed about by Jay Demerit that game. Yeah, he did. Yeah, you're yeah. right. Just on him, what you say? Yeah, I think there was one crunching tackle. Just absolutely yeah, he absolutely <laughs> left him in a heap at one point. <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. It, so, yeah, you know, and you know, you know, Helgerson yourselves. You know, he doesn't want; he's not one to shy away from any challenge. Uh, no, no, he was quite no. a physical player, Hyde. Yeah. yeah. So you've got, so you've had that phone call. This is this is another thing. This is a dream of mine. Mine's going to be more of the lottery, though. So you've had that phone call. So Watford have offered you a two-year deal. Are you like uh, boss, not coming in? See you later. Or yeah. were you, or were you the smuggest person in your office? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, yeah, absolutely. I was just, you know, that I was due to work four weeks' notice. I think it was, uh, and Watford well aware of this they were kind of um you know the idea was that i'd always kind of they try and bed me in over the, over the course of a few months a year whatever it took into the first team so it was a case of you know go finish your job and stuff like that and of course i'm like no interest at <laughs> all a chance um yeah you know, sorry fujitsu I, I don't give before. a monkeys about this anymore yeah. <laughs> so uh so yeah i was due to work a week's note uh, four weeks notice and i think i ended up working a week um when i started working loosely yeah, yeah a loose term <laughs> it, yeah, very loose term. But yeah, so that was that. And, you know, a couple of the guys in the office were just like big football fans and stuff like that. So it was just brilliant, like going through it with them and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah that's just... the stream stuff, isn't it? It is dream stuff. You know, you work in and everyone goes, God, I've got work today. And then like, one day you're just, boom, see you later. Exactly. Professional it, it, footballer. Exactly. Yeah. It's just, it, I just, it was such a surreal moment, you know, just like getting that phone call. You know, suddenly the kind of life's changed, really. That's, you know, that massive thing you've wanted you've dreamed of is just yeah you've just achieved it it's just it's great you're getting paid to do something you love as well which is mental isn't it and you know when you're a kid and stuff you dream of it but then when i guess until you've actually done it you can't actually go yeah no you do hear a lot of people say oh well people are just in it for the money and stuff like that but I just don't think when you want to be a footballer, I don't think you know money is great and everything like that, and everyone wants us to earn as much as they can. In it's the a game. byproduct, but though, isn't it? It, the it, it is it, exactly, yeah. exactly. That you know, first and foremost, they want to be on that pitch and they want to be playing and they want to you know achieve their dream, and then they want to make it even bigger. I mean, while we're yeah. not the biggest club in the world, I imagine going to a championship team was quite a big thing for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was massive, absolutely massive. You know, um, Chelsea actually were going to be off hope for. Well, well, they did talk about offering me a, a year's contract, but sending me to their feeder club in Belgium at the time. Right. Who um, I forget who it was, but Royal, um, Royal Antwerp in it or someone. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when Watford came about, and I was like, you know, realistically, I know I, I want to be a professional footballer. I just don't want to be sent off somewhere. So yeah, I'm. You know, this is what I've dreamed of. So it was um, amazing just to kind of get the everything and how it was and the call and to work at it and stuff like that. So it, it was, it was just, it, it was just unbelievable, you know, going in there and, you know, meeting the likes of Neil Cox, Heide Helgeson, guys you've been watching and, you know, the last few weeks and, and stuff like that. It just, it, it was unbelievable and very surreal and stuff like that. But, mm. You know, the guys so welcoming and Ray Lewitton and stuff like that, getting to know all them. And yeah, I think exactly. your whole, just your whole thing, the whole, everything's changed, doesn't it? Like what you're, yeah, what you're so exactly. used to doing. No, exactly. Absolutely. So when I first got to Watford, it was, um, got taken in by physios, kind of did all the, um, did all the fitness checks and everything like that. Always remember going to the uh, doctors, first of all, to get a medical check by the doctors. And, um, yes, yeah, quite interesting getting your balls grabbed by, uh, <laughs> Really? Is this part of the? Is this part of it? Do I have yeah. to do this? Yeah, exactly. Is, is every footballer doing this or what? Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is this a wind up? Is someone got yeah. me in a wind up here? Yeah. So yeah, so it's all kind of all like right. Let's do your body fat and everything like that. And like I said, thankfully I was young and uh, I was looking after myself quite well. And you know, kind of went through my dietary what I was eating and stuff like that. And then just um, yeah, so everything you know, going to the club in the morning and having your breakfast like pre- prepared for you and your lunches and stuff like that and being even more conscious of what you're eating and what's how it's being prepared and how it's being made the sources that go in it and stuff like that so much more to it than just um eating a bowl of pasta and thinking it's healthy so do you remember your debut then for Watford I do Sheffield United at home 
Yeah, full debut. Remember Ray Lewis and telling me the day before so I could get all the family down, get as many tickets as I, you know, as I wanted kind of thing within reason. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was brilliant just kind of stepping out on that pitch. I've made a couple of sub appearances before, so um, it gave me a little taster and stuff like that. But yeah, nothing prepared me for the uh, for the day. It was just unbelievable. And to score as well it was, yeah. you know, it wasn't the greatest of goals, but I just didn't care. It was just Don't matter, does it? Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't nah, matter. Not at all. So it was um, oh, it's such an amazing feeling, not just from my debut, but to win uh, and to score and stuff like that. So it really um, enabled me to kick on from there. So was it a big shot physically then? Because all of a sudden now you're you're in you know the championship playing against championship players that some of them are quite seasoned, I imagine. Some of them are you know quite physical. Was it a big shock? Yeah, well, I think, you know, in some ways, the good thing nowadays, in it's a bit difficult, but nowadays, a lot of kids will go to the to you through their youth teams and stuff like that. And they'll be, but they are, the coaching now is a lot, a lot, a lot better. And I think that's where I missed out maybe a little bit as well. It's not going through like um, a youth YTS scheme or something like that, because the players that kind of their first touch and everything like that, and the way they opened up their bodies and how they received the ball. On the physical side of things, I was always quick. It was so that was great. And a lot of the training was kind of in and around short sharp it was never your long distance stuff like that but I remember working hard you know the training when I came in I think it was around January time so the kind of physicality and the there wasn't too much running and stuff like that it mm. was just kind of getting up to the pace of the game because that was the massive difference was the pace of the game and how quickly the ball was passed and moved and transferred between different players um, and your movement and everything like that. that that all took a lot of um, effort on my part but also took a lot of encouragement and uh, coaching from this, your Ray Lewington and your Terry Burns and um, the other players around me it was just um, but yeah but I managed to kept myself really fit and I was able to do a lot of running in before the next season um, and come into pre-season and hit the ground running really on the running side it wasn't too much but I also you know did have to bulk myself up and try and do get on the weights a bit more than I had been really because um, it's very physical not just the championship but even playing in, in the premiership or the FA Cup where we played so, so which players helped you sort of settle in when, when you turned uh, up then Neil Ardley was very good okay yeah. Of just still, uh, still doing really well, isn't he? Still yeah, still yeah. Really well. and uh, Neil Cox as well was always um, was always a really good, really good lad. Really got on well with Coxie. Really nice guy, and he took me. Uh, I, I signed with his agent as well, so got really got to know them. Um, so that was that was brilliant, really. And then a lot of the youth team as well, like you're Ashley Young and stuff like that. Although they were younger, or in your Dominic Blizzard, Ben Hurd, uh, Jack Smith, really welcoming guys. Still guys I speak to not on the phone, but when I do see them at your your yearly charity games or something like that, or your you know you get togethers every year. It's just kind of you know we do. Uh, it was they, they were the guys really that and who really kind of like made me feel welcome. I always remember you settling in really well, and 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 I think. Certainly, I did, and I and I think the fans appreciated it because you always ran, you were always running, you know, to try and chase that ball down or to try and get that ball. And I, and I think a lot of what fans, um, you know, want. And I seem to was it Danny Weber at the time? I'm sure Danny Weber was there. You Danny had a real good, yeah. yeah. You, I used to like you and Danny because again, both both pacey. We were talking to Coxie recently, actually, about you know players getting stuck in and and, and so forth. And yeah, that's all fans want, really. So it's incredible, really. It's an incredible story. Yeah, it is really, and um, you know, it just kind of. I really thought it would be I'd maybe struggle to start with, but I just seemed to kind of take to it so well. I was always a goal scorer. Always knew where the goal was. That was never going to change. It was just whether I could adapt to the game, but. I, it just seemed to kind of like happen, really. If it had been maybe jump straight into the Premiership, definitely do notice a, a yeah. massive, massive difference in level there, especially amongst the elite clubs. But I think even so, the Championship was just, it just seemed brilliant for me. I just seemed to really take to it well. I a few sub appearances I made, I never felt out of place. A few things I maybe needed to work on and stuff like that, but it was like movement maybe and how I received the ball. But other than that, I just, I think my, the fact I was quick as well made a massive difference. And and, um, and work rate was always instilled into us in, in non-league. Playing for Northwood, it, it just kind of, I carried that on really. And the, the energy you got from the crowd, it just, it was just second to none. So it was just amazing to have. 
15, 17, 18, 20 odd thousand, whatever it may be, like kind of calling your name or kind of hearing the roar when you're going forward. It's just the energy and gives you and everything like that. And you just I kind of always remember Sean Dyche saying to me, just feed off that energy. And you and I did and I did. And that's why I just always was always running and closing down. And I always believed I could close the keeper down. I could always believe I could get there, lead them into this false sense of security that they could have a touch. But mm. within after letting them have that one touch, I could be onto them within a second and they have to think very quick. Yeah, nearly got in a couple of times off that and just really enjoyed it. And as I say, the crowd was a massive, massive part of that because that energy and adrenaline you get from from the roar is just unbelievable. Does, yeah. does that make a real difference? Massive. Yeah, really does. Really just gives you that extra that extra bit uh, to give you that push and to that energy and stuff like that. And you just really, you don't want to let them down. Mm-hmm. So you're just you're doing it. You're not just your own player, playing players when you're playing, but as I said, that crowd and you've got everyone kind of on on this side and wanting you to do well. You just kind of the, the energy you get is just I can't until you've been in it. It's really hard to explain the the yeah, rush. Yeah. Yeah, it is amazing. It really is, and it is um, spine tingling in some way. In some ways, you actually bagged the goal of the season, didn't you? Was that 2004 against West Brom? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, I still have great pleasure in showing that to all the guys on site nowadays. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> Do you know what? That is so hard to find that goal. I've looked everywhere know, on YouTube. Is, that's what I mean. It's like, you know, you, you social media nowadays, you've got everything kind of stored on there and stuff. So, you know, you really have to kind of look real deep and stuff like that. Because you type in Scott Fitzgerald on YouTube. Not that I have too much. Um, but it does come up with like a ride to them more than a football. Yeah, F. Scott like, Fitzgerald comes up yeah, all Scott the time. You're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. So that take was, us through that goal. Was it a bit of a one-two with Hyder? That was it. Yeah. So what I've done is I started on the bench. Um, uh, I think West Brom were flying at the time, maybe top of the league, or at least well up there anyway, and um, looking odds on for promotion. But we, yeah, I always remember starting on the bench, and I think I come on, pretty sure it was about 3-0 down. I think it was, yeah. um, it, it, You know, and so it was like, right, just got to do what you can do, just work hard again, as you have been. Um, and then, yeah, just kind of remember one of the their fullback. I think it was carrying a ball forward. I remember sprinting back after him, giving him a nudge off the ball, and then and then just turning and just and just running and just going with it and just kind of taking on one or two players and then yeah, managed to nudge it into Hyder who knocks it back to me and you know with that instinct just to to curl it in and just um, yeah, thankfully it ended up going on the top corner and stuff like that. But yeah, it was difficult because in my in myself, I really wanted to celebrate and kind of go nuts. But also it was, you know, it was a consolation really yeah. to go for three one. So it was a shame, but you know, give the uh, a few of the travelling fans a uh, something to shout about. So and um, but yeah, it was brilliant, and it was uh, it was loved it. And to get goal of the season that year, it was just yeah, just another amazing thing to happen in the journey. Brilliant. Is that your favourite goal that you scored, or have you got others? And uh, no, that was my favourite. That's your favourite, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just I absolutely loved it. You know, there was a few at Norford, I must say, that were um, really good. But I think just for being at West Brom away and kind of, you know, that the few Watford travelling fans that were there and, you know, and to get goal of the season from it as well, I think, yeah, that's definitely up there with the... Uh, my favourite ever. Were you the leading goal scorer that year? Uh, I think it was myself. I, I think, think it was, was you, year. wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was, but there's I've... no there was no trophy or anything for top goal scorer. <sighs> Rubbish. No. Rubbish. Gosh. That's typical <laughs> of Watford, that is. <laughs> so cheap in those days. Saving money. Saving money. Yeah. Yeah. Is there, um, you know, not maybe not just Watford, maybe somewhere else that you've played, Swansea or, or you know, wherever. Is, is there a stadium that you, you've played in, you know, and a, probably more of an away sign? You've actually gone, oh my God, this is this is something else. I've, I'm living the dream here. Yeah, so I always remember it. So playing at Vicarage Road for me was, um, was amazing. Absolutely loved it. The one that kind of filled me with nerves and was like a bit overawed by it really was when we were away at um, Chelsea at Stamford Bridge in the oh, the, oh god like, yeah in the, in the cup. cup yeah we got there early as you, as you do before the crowd's there and I'd walked out to, on Vicarage Road and I'd played a few championships um, clubs I can't remember who I can't remember who I'd played and where I've been at the time but now but looking back on it I always remember walking out and just looking up Stamford Bridge probably in world football is not really massive as in the mm. size of it it was just it just felt huge I just looked up and up and up and just looking at the like seats like mm. in the in the stands and you just like my god this is like massive and that's I always remember it always just remember remember being filled with that little bit of geez like this is 
this is the big stage. Like you are, you yeah. are here now. I remember yeah. that game, but I don't remember the score. But I remember the Watford fans had a banner which said, "Roman, can you lend us a few quid or something?" Because I think we must have been going through <laughs> hard times financially at the time, if I remember rightly. What was the score? Yeah, I know we lost. It, yeah. it was quite a tight yeah. game, if I remember rightly. It was. I think uh, we had the definitely the replay. I know the first game, but I think it was it finished one-one. Well, I think well, they, one, yeah. I think they scored, and I think uh, Helgeson equalised. And I always remember, I think. Danny Weber, I think, near the end had a really good, well, a scrappy chance that mm. I think just got cleared off the line, um, which was unfortunate. But um, in, the, in the same breath, gave us a chance to play, or gave me a chance to play at Stamford Bridge. There you so go. Yeah. It, was, uh, it was brilliant. But yeah, I think the game finished about 4-0 or was something it? like that. Yeah. Yeah. But they really they really um, showed their class at the, at the home game. Yeah, at the home game. But, I mean, you've got um, 55 appearances, 11 goals. That's one in five, mate. That's pretty good. You know? Well, I know, yeah. And I, you know, a lot of them was like sub appearances and stuff like that. And I think had I started more, definitely, especially after my first full season where I finished top goal scorer, I really felt it, I could have kicked on and um, and really made a name for myself, uh, even more so than the small name that I did make in the order that how I was back then. I could have definitely made it a bit more in Watford. So, so what happened then? Why did you fall out of favour with with Watford? Uh, honestly, not too sure. Um, they brought Bruce Dyer in. I remember, and he, yeah, he come in as a as a regular starter, regular starter ahead of me. Never really got a look in from the offset, really. I always remember that season making a few sub appearances, and I loved it. My pre the previous year season where I finished top goal scorer. I love playing every week. That's what I wanted to do. That's what we trained for. I mean, training's great, and you're doing what you love every day. You're doing it because you want a game at the end of every week. You want that, or in the midweek, you don't. You know, you want to be playing every week, week in, week out. And you've had a taste now as well, haven't you? Yeah, exactly, and I've had a yeah, taste yeah. of that first team football. And um, so it kind of comes to, I think, October time. And uh, I was kind of making the odd sub appearances. Sometimes wasn't even in the squad. And um, it just become a bit demoralising, really. And, I, you know, I'd had a taste of it. I wanted to be playing football. That's all I ever wanted to do. You know, I kind of made a decision. Or I spoke to Ray Lewington and we discussed about going out on loan, which I did a few times. And, um, and yeah, it just kind of happened from there, really. And then managed to go to Swansea, I think it was, and... Um, Brentford. Plus, started playing really well at Brentford, and um, they put in a put in a bid for me whilst whilst things were in turmoil. A bit at Watford, they got rid of Lewington. Money wasn't great. They looked like they were again on the verge of administration at one point. Yes, not for the first or last time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, I always remember it. Though. But it was um, it was a shame, really, because I, I you know loved the club. Mm. Same as why I'm talking to you guys now, because I just I, I loved everything about it, and I still do, and why I continue to go to the games and stuff like that, and continue to support them now. So. It was um, it was very sad to leave in the sh- in the, the shortish time I was there. Really, yeah, it, it felt was... it does feel as if you were there for a very kind of like a, a brief flash of time. But while you were there, you made an impact, and you know you scored a lot of goals. And I remember you, like Carl said, running around like a madman and just really digging in, which is you know fills the fans and it gets results and you know, it's it's good to watch. But it does seem as if you sort of came and went in in quite a quick time. Actually, it does seem quite yeah, it, exactly. And I kind of think, oh, did I make the right decisions in kind of you know leaving well as it was probably not but you know hindsight's a wonderful thing but yeah well, I just really felt when Booth I really felt you know Ray Lewin left and Watford there was no manager and Watford came in uh, sorry Brentford came in for me and it was going it was going well though it started off really well and uh, they looked like they were I think second in the in League One Watford were I think second from bottom or mm. near enough maybe bottom of, of the championship so at the time in my mind I was like I spoke to a couple of guys and they were like look it looks like Watford might be going into administration you could potentially leapfrog we can you know leapfrog them in the leagues and you know set yourself up with Brentford again and that's what I did but yeah I really feel if I'd have stayed at Watford and worked under Boothroyd if I'd been given the opportunity I think I really could have got on to, to great things really with the club yeah <laughs> as much as I loved seeing Watford come up to the uh, premiership that just avoiding relegation and then going up to the Premiership that following season. Yeah. I've got to tell you, I did sit at home and go, ah, for life. I'll stay with yeah. The thing is, the thing is that, you know, this guy turns up, A.D. Boothroyd, and we'd never heard of him. He was a madman as we, well. We would have Mentally. thought, we, we, we thought this ain't going anywhere. You know, how's this bloke ever going to kick on? It's never going to happen. And then, of course... Exactly. You've got no you've got no budget. You've got nothing. You've got just, um, you know, he's working off a shoestring. got this guy you've never heard of. And, and suddenly, you're like, you know, bloody end up in the uh, playoffs. And, uh, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, it wasn't to be, mate, but... 
It wasn't to be for me, but you know, the, it was great for the club and it was great for the likes of Jada Merritt who'd come from non league. Of course, I mean, yeah. What, a, what yeah. a story for him and stuff like that. So, yes, of course, I'm gutted, but you know, just uh, I was given the opportunity to do what I loved and, uh, yeah, every, and not every kid, but a lot of kids dream of. So, exactly. So, know, so in your time real. playing pro football, was there any sort of defenders or other players you came up against and thought, oh God, now I know I'm in the big time. Now I know I'm not playing at Northwood on a Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I mean, there was always a couple of like championship players who I played with uh, against and stuff like that. And I always remember like John, even for the brief moment I was on for the last 20, 25 minutes at Chelsea uh, and John Terry at the back. Of course, yeah. And he, I was quick, but it just didn't matter because he could read the game so well yeah. and he'd just rush you off, he knew where you're going, block your runs. Um, and that's when you kind of knew, you know, I used to I used to find space in the championship and I used to find, you know, I used to be able to, you know, get opportunities in front of goal and stuff like that. And, you know, it just even, as I said, it was only a brief 20, 25 minutes, but you just, you knew that, that it's just a different, different level yeah. to go to. And um, it's, um, yeah, he, that's the one that stands out for me. Um, but players playing with as well was remember like um, your Micah Hyde who was just uh, it was a great great passer of the ball um, Lee Cook as well was just brilliant I like loved playing up front with him mm. or on the wing should I say you know great players and then like you like to when I went to Swansea and playing with like Lee Trundle and stuff like that that was uh, he was something special he was really was yeah. he's a legend you know, there though isn't he yeah. Swansea yeah yeah absolute club legend down there and stuff like that and I think he ended up at Bristol City in the championship I don't think he ever made it to the premiership he may have I mean, that may be wrong in that but he was um, I just thought he was brilliant were you playing at their old ground yes it was their old one wasn't it yeah I, I actually went there on loan for just a month, uh, and Kenny Jacket was there because I did have a brief, I did have a brief trial at QPR, and they never took me. Kenny Jacket was at QPR at the time, but he'd gone to Swansea for the first team job, and he actually, after uh, when I got to sign for Swansea after the first couple of training sessions, he took me up to the Liberty Stadium. They were playing at the Vetch at the time, um, and he took me to Liberty Stadium and said, "I want you to be part of this." They were in League Two at the time. And it was brilliant, and I and I really wanted to go, but my partner at the time and my family didn't want to move, so that we never, um, so we never, we, I never took that on in the end, unfortunately. So you could have been you, that could have been a full time, well, sorry, yep. a, a full transfer to Swansea. That could have been, yeah, yeah. Again, it was um, it was before just before the Brentford um, transfer, so it was uh, yeah, it was brilliant. It was really loved it there in the city, just lives and breathes Swansea Football Club. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Now. And we spoke, as we said, we've spoken to players before, but I always do, you know, like one day, you know, even at, I know you're at Northwood and you've got the, the transfer to Watford. So with the greatest respect, you haven't got to move out or anything like that. It, it's a car journey, but it always makes me wonder, especially on the lower leagues and how it kind of works where a player goes, right, we're moving to Rochdale or Swansea. It's like, it's a lot of upheaval, you know, especially if you've got kids and, and, and yeah, stuff like so, that. What, yeah, what, so this, what's that like, you know, especially when you get the, the, the Swansea loan? Yeah, so what we did is, um, they put me up in a hotel just over just in, in literally in Swansea just outside Swansea. so I'd stay up there for most of the week then we'd play a game on the Tuesday depending where you were in the country you'd either make your own way back from there or you'd have your someone there to pick you up or something like that and you'd make your way home on the Tuesday after or you'd get the coach back to the club or you'd be playing a home game so I'd normally travel back on a Tuesday evening and then I'd get home whether it be 1, 2 o'clock in the morning 3 o'clock in the morning whatever it may be and you'd always have a Wednesday off normally for footballers that's kind of the the go-to day for days off really is a Wednesday um, and then I travel back on a Thurs- early hours of Thursday or early Thursday morning and get there just before training then the same with a Saturday really is kind of the same scenario sometimes I'd stay out there on a Saturday if we had training uh, or a warm down on the Sunday and a game on the Monday or Tuesday or something like that so yeah so it was a lot of travelling back and forth and like you said I think when I was coming to the end of my Brentford career it was a couple of clubs who come in for me who talked about maybe coming up there for a trial but like you said it's just the case that um you're moving your family away for a year's contract Say. Yeah, that's a long way. It is a lot, you know, you, yeah, you don't realise the upheaval. We were talking to Alman Abdi. He's he's told literally he's in Italy. By the way, tomorrow you're in England. Good luck. You're playing <laughs> for Watford. Watford. Good luck with that. And he was yeah. like, right, okay. So he sort of packed his bag and went. And you just think it, it's just there's no it, exactly yeah. So it's um, I mean, obviously you are doing what you you do are doing what you love, but suddenly that upheaval, and especially you know, if you wanted to go up north, if you had to go up north for like you're chasing like a year's contract, so you're thinking, do you move the family up there? Do you not? 
not move the family up there? Do you then travel back and forth and suddenly like, so for the likes of the, like the lower leagues where, you know, they're probably a lot of their wives are working as well and stuff like that. And maybe childcare is always a kind of priority and stuff like that. It all comes into play. So for me, when, you know, that was kind of one of the things why I didn't move to Swansea, but it was, it was a shame really, but I did want to do it and stuff like that. But it just, um, yeah, it was always a little bit difficult in that respect. And then when the Brentford loan came about and the Brentford transfer, of course it just meant I didn't have to do anything like that. No, of course. So your CV, you've got a lot of clubs on your CV. I was just, yeah. I was just having a look at it there. So we've got loans to Oxford, loans to Walsall, loans to Wimbledon, and then Basingstoke, Hazen Yedding, Wildstone. Well, you scored some goals towards the end, didn't you? Yeah, I was looking at your yeah. Wildstone, 43 appearances, 31 goals. That's not to be sniffed at, is it? No, not to be sniffed at. No, it was Hazen Yedding? When my end of my contracts at Brentford came up, it was a case of, right, I'm 27, 28, whatever I was then. Football career isn't going to be forever. So try and chase a contract around for a year or two, you know, a year or two years or wherever it may be in the lower leagues. In the, well, the, I say the lower leagues, sorry, your league twos or your league ones. Um, and then hope uh, of another big move. Or do I take the payment up from my contract, put it towards another career and go back into the game I knew inside out, which was non-league. And hence, like you said there, my goal ratio stands for itself, really. You know, going yeah. to your Hayes and Yedins and Wildstone. It just seemed like the, I suppose, not the move I dreamed of, but probably the sensible one. Is it is it harder to start going back down the leagues again once you've sort of tasted yes. the championship? It is in your mindset, as in you were playing in front of, you know, 15,000, 20,000. You were a professional footballer doing it full time to go back down to a level. And in some ways, I was probably arrogant because I thought I could just into any side which is why when I went to Basin, when I went to um, Wimbledon was was on, was on loan and I did play well there but I went to Basingstoke full time and it, it just you know suddenly I just thought I could turn up really I, I guess in my own in my head sort of thing that you know and right. I could walk this it would be easy when it and it wasn't the case so it wasn't really so I went, ended up back at Hazen Yedin and um, with a good manager and a good squad that I really kind of found myself again in non-league and the same with Wildstone yeah you you, you you only finished playing in 2014 which is I mean that's seven years ago which is that, that doesn't seem that long ago to me I could have probably played on to be honest, but I ended up my uh, finishing in Chalvon St. Peter and really loved it, to be honest. Just a lovely group of guys, um, just uh, really enjoyed it. But it got to the point where I was not motivated to go from work to training or to the or to the games, really. Uh, for, for whatever reason, you're just tired, you're working all the time and you're just like, oh, I was great when I got there. Mm. Absolutely brilliant. Mm. You know, and um, you know, kind of saw through this my last season out, and I said, oh, I'm just gonna have a, I'm gonna have a bit more. You know, suddenly the season finished, and before I knew it, I was getting a phone call that pre-season was starting. I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm gonna have a few more weeks off. I just said to the manager, and he was like, yeah, that's fine. And I just never ended up, never ended up going back. Really, I just kind of was like, no, I think I've uh, enjoyed my time. Yeah, it's time to uh, move on. Pastures new. So, Pastures new. Did you have a plan then for when you finished football, or did you not think that far ahead? No. So when I come out, when Brentford paid me out for my contract, I need to I need to do something with my with my life. Really, what am I going to do? So I'd worked in an office previous um, at Fujitsu, as I mentioned before. I signed for Watford. Uh, hated working in an office. So yeah, just a few of my mates were electricians. So I thought oh, maybe one of us should be a plumber. So ended up going into the world of plumbing and heating and. Um, paid for off my off the back of my payment for my Brentford contract I paid went and did a crash course in um, in plumbing and heating which was always which was really funny sitting in there in a classroom amongst a group of guys and uh, they're like right give us your background stories how can you hear guys are here like, <laughs> you're ready well, for I, this <laughs> I, yeah I, I, you know one of them was like I'm a postman I you know just want to look for a different career I own a pub I've worked in administration and then they were like oh Scott uh, you know how, how can you hear and I was like yeah well I was a professional footballer last week and I uh, just decided to kind of like, you know, go for a new career. <laughs> At one, at one point, John, one point yeah. John Terry was marking me in matches, I'll have you know. Yeah, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. I always remember all the lads turning around in that classroom, about 12, 15 of them going, really? <laughs> <laughs> They're all on Google, quick. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, look, F. Scott Fitzgerald. Oh, no, that's not yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, yeah, so, yeah. so so I understand these days uh, you're 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 still doing the, uh, the the heating and, and the plumbing side of things. Yeah, 
so I was kind of right, get my career back, get my career focused back on. So by the age of, I think, 35, I wanted my own company. I think it was by 37 I did that. So I've got my own company now. It's only is this myself. The, and, is this the plug bit? Is this where we plug it? One other, that's it, absolutely, yeah. No, and it's just, it's just the case. I'm working on some um, big commercial sites now and stuff like that and got a few subcontractors that I use. And, um, yeah, just looking to grow as a business, really, from there, really, and uh, end up going to, like, the Watford Games and your non-league games now as a supporter. Right. And that's kind of where we're at now, yeah. You still go, then? You still go to Vicarage Road and, and watch? Still go to Vicarage Road, yeah, absolutely. Still um, go there and absolutely love going there. Disappointed not to see my picture on the wall around the stadium. But uh, There's a lot of legends. We shall, we shall demand <laughs> it. We shall demand <laughs> that it's that it's reinstated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Hopefully we can kind of get some vote going um, yeah. or petition after this. Yeah, podcast, easy, so yeah. 100%. We can do yeah. that. It, it don't look it's, the same... Uh, from when you were yeah. there, does it? It looks totally different. No, now. God, no. It looks, I mean, geez, what I'd love, what I'd give to play there now. I mean, I always remember working out onto that pitch because I think it was, was it Saracens or Harlequins? Yeah, Saracens, Saracens yeah. used to destroy it, didn't they? I mean, yeah. the pitch, you know, in your Octobers and your Novembers and your winter months, really, you know, you'd, the pitch would look great. And as soon as you stepped onto it and started playing on it, my God, it used to churn up like anything. Yeah. But I mean, now, I mean, now it's, it's the stadium. It's, it should it's be. It's like a carpet you know, now, isn't it? That brilliant. Oh, absolute carpet. Yeah. It's lovely. And the stadium and surroundings now, they've done really well with it all and stuff like that. And it's, it's great to see. And I love, I love going back. Really do. Are you uh, still in the area then, Scott? Yeah. So I live in Chalfont St. Giles now. So not a million miles away. Literally just drove through there on my way home Li- today. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, that's, that's lovely. Not too far at all from um, from your Watford and uh, where I grew up and stuff like that. So, do you do you yeah, do, so do, you do call to outs to the Watford area, or you know? Uh, no, don't try not to do too many call outs. Really, <laughs> it's good yeah, to know. Phone goes, phone goes off of me. Yeah, uh, so I'm going to bed now. Phone off. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. No one called me. So, no, it's just, um, it, it, it is great to go back. But I do like taking a lot of non-league games as well because I just do mm, course, enjoy yeah. watching um, in, watching the football and stuff like that. There's, you, still, there's still a lot of good players down there, though. That's what we, you know, we've said that oh, before. There's a, there's a lot yeah, of quality down there. The, the standard is great, you know, it really is in, in non-league. And it, like you said, there's some great players that either have missed out on the chance or have come down from the lower leagues and stuff like that. And it's, uh, you know, it's a great, it's a great place to be in non-league now. Like nowadays, especially, it's kind of got gets a lot more focus now with all the social media and stuff like that. So it's great. I mm. think it's um, I think it's telling though when you look at teams like Southend, you know, who have come down. Even you know Barnet a couple of seasons ago, they're really struggling in that division. You know, just in the oh. conference, really struggling. There's a lot of quality in there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was I, I'm play, I managed to play one season in the conference with um, Hayes and Yedin when I was there, um, and we were part time, but mm. we still had quality play. And you know your AFC Wimbledon's were full time at the time, and we played against Luton as well. I remember, <laughs> was, uh, which was interesting. How we so, how we laughed when they were down yeah, there. Exactly, yeah, absolutely. But you know they they were like down there and stuff like that. But they they took a couple of I think maybe a season or two seasons to come back up. But it's still it's a tough place. And like you said, the likes of Southender in there now. It's um it, it is tough because you've got your players who are at your part time clubs and your your Willstones who are now in the league who might not necessarily be the biggest players but they've got they've certainly got some great players and a lot yeah. of a lot of league players quite easily it's just that that luck and that right place and that right time and um of course you know the skill factor does come into it but for a lot of players they are on the same level as a lot of these sides from league one down and even in the championship so to speak do you still play at all five sides or anything or uh funny enough i do play a little bit i haven't played for a while now but i was speaking to the guys uh, who were asking me to come back down on there uh, for a bit of seven aside before christmas we've so, got yeah. a ringer we've got a ringer gone <laughs> <laughs> on the old astro uh, boots and uh, get down there just before um stuff in my head i can do it i'm not too sure my body quite moves as quite as it used to <laughs> i've just i've just got a thing to say like, i can imagine you turning up in your van with his sign written down the size of a plumber he puts his boots on and they start seeing you play and go hell what has happened here <laughs> this bloke's good yeah yeah he's a bit of all right yeah yeah that's pretty much how it goes i always remember yeah a couple of lads like uh, who i didn't know i've said to a couple of guys i did one of the guys i did know and i was like so scott played a bit then in the uh past like, <laughs> <laughs> just a bit a little bit yeah, yeah. And they were like you know no wonder he can pass like that and he can control it like that and he scores like that it's like yeah just uh, yeah, do play a bit so it is quite nice to come it never play. leaves you it never leaves you never leaves you. No. <laughs> fantastic Punters questions. Punters questions. 
So the first question comes from Ian Stapleton, and he's a Wildstone fan. Now, I, know, I don't know what he's talking about here, so I hope that you do. Does Scott remember saving GB's job with a goal from the halfway line against Potter's Bar? Yes, I do. So that is what it, exactly what it says. It's like, and again, where's all the bloody phones out? I tell you, and all the cameras. <laughs> no one, no one has got it on film. And uh, yeah, I always remember us playing against Potter's Bar, and I always go, always go back there now and give them, give the guy stick for not filming it, and also I give the man, the manager that used to be there, I used to give him a stick and say, I saved your job. Who is, who's who's GB? I don't. Who's GB? So it's Gordon Bartlett. So right. he is the he is a Willstone legend. Has he was like uh, I think one of the longest serving managers. Uh, not just at Willstone, but in, in within football, really. Right. Okay. Yeah, he, only, he only went not long ago, didn't he? If I remember, he did. It was only uh, a few years ago now um, that he left. So he'd been he'd been there for years and years and years, and uh, had coped or managed so many games. Um, but yeah, he was he was brilliant. But anyway, I always remember like Potter's Bar. We were playing awful on the day as a as a team, Willstone, and uh, it was nil nil. And they last minute they went up the other end and uh, and made it one nil. Always remember. I think it was. Tom Pett scoring, um, who's at Port Vale now, um, but he was a Potter's Bar at the time. Yeah, they were literally celebrating because they were in a le- uh, league or two below us at the time. Um, so they were kind of like, you know, all loving it. I just turned around to my strike partner and I went, it's just touched me the ball, I'm going to shoot. <laughs> he went, what? And I went, yeah, just touch it, yeah, I'm going to shoot. And he did, and he just touched it forward and I took one touch and and, uh, and just banged it from the halfway line and the keeper flapped at it and uh, yeah, when he... <laughs> That must that be was, really satisfying, whacking a ball like oh, that and it, it was, going in. It was, it was so satisfying. Yeah, it really was. Because obviously, all the crowd are still like um, giving it, like, can't believe what's happening, kind of like going mental, like at the players and stuff like that. Next thing, 30 seconds of the restart, it's kind of the ball's in the net and we won all. So, uh, Fantastic. Yeah, what a goal. Brilliant. brilliant. As you say, yeah, it's a shame that, no one no one had the, the cameras out. Uh, exactly, yeah. Absolutely fuming. I keep saying I need to go back down there and do a Phoenix from the Flames and recreate it. But, <laughs> yes. Uh, <yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> this comes from... Yes, great question. Kelvin uh, Lyons. It's, hi, Scott. Are air source heat pumps really a good alternative to normal gas boilers? <laughs> He's such a... <laughs> That right, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know this guy, do you? You know this guy, do you? <laughs> so I know him very well, Kelvin. Yeah, he's a big, massive Watford supporter, and he's um, he works on. Um, uh, we work on a lot of jobs together, and uh, like and it. stuff like that. I've known him for years and years and years, and he was actually he was actually at the first company I joined when I joined a plumbing company back in two thousand seven, two thousand eight, I think it was. So he uh, and I've known, I'm good friends with him now, and go out on the golf course now. So, um, but like yeah, it. unfortunately, he does yeah, keep asking me about air source heat pumps a lot well, on site and I'm Scott I've got to say this has been a thing over the past few months and, and we've been encouraged to buy these things so are they better? <laughs> well well, they're not better as they look better. As this podcast offers so much more than just football. It, it does, doesn't exactly, it? We're yeah, a public they're service. Just, they're just different. I think people look at air source heat pumps and ground source heat pumps and think, "Oh, well, I'm going to save loads of money here." And it's like, well, you're not really going to save money as such. They're still going to be probably the same as gas to run. But what you are doing, you are obviously making a step towards saving the planet. So, right, that's all. You know, that's what we're looking to do and stuff like that. But the, te- the technology is very, very new. Very difficult to uh, to do and it's not just the air source heat pump you need it's all the insulation within your house that goes with it it's all your radiator sizing your underfloor heating that goes with it and stuff like that it's um it's not just about grabbing an air source heat pump and installing it there's a lot of design and everything that goes in with it but they are getting a lot better and it's definitely uh, a, a way to go even not just for consumers but for me as well i need to i need to move on as well and, and learn about it and i keep threatening to to do a course but well there was a, there was some sort of sweetener wasn't there some sort of five thousand pound incentive or somewhat something for, for for people to get them so could be some work there for you if that comes uh, yeah, to fruition yeah, exactly yeah I think when people get the final bill they'll realise that five grand doesn't quite go around especially on my rates especially on my footballers rates <laughs> Next question comes from Andy Todd, and this is um, who at any level who is the best manager that you've had? Tough one, isn't it? Because it can be coaching, it could be arm round you, you know. Yeah, exactly. I've probably 
God, I'd probably have to say Ray Lewin at that time. Ray Lewin, to be honest. Not only did he give me my chance in football, he just, his coaching and his overall like persons and mannerisms and it's it's why, you know, a lot of players might leave clubs and stuff like that and maybe not appreciate who the manager was. And yet I left Watford and I, you know, and I still appreciate who the man who he was to this day and stuff like that. And, you know, I've managed to see, I've seen him on the odd time in the years gone by since and stuff like that. And we've had a great chat and stuff like that. So it's just, um, he's such a brilliant man. And, he's um, had a great a, career as well, hasn't he? Great career and a good, and you see what he's done with, uh, you know, alongside Roy Hodgson with England and at Crystal Palace and stuff like that. He's a, he's a brilliant coach and stuff like that. I'd say he was one of the best If and also Kenny Jackett as well, even in the short stint I had at Swansea. Just a really good guy, really good manager Manager, and um, I think the case with both Ray Lewington and um, and Kenny Jackett was the, the man management as well because you've got so many players outside of the squad there and stuff like that. It's it's difficult to keep everyone happy. And if you're not man management people and a squad, you're you're gonna you know you, you're not gonna all get on and stuff like that. And it's gonna as a team, you're not gonna do as well as I believe. And I think man management in a in any manager is extremely important as well as the coaching and tactical side of things. We hear yeah. that though. I mean, that, those names. Often when we speak to players, we say, you know, people that you really liked. Kenny Jackett's name comes up all the time. Yeah. And people that play for Ray Lewington also say he was absolutely fantastic. So Yeah, that was um, that, they were definitely two of the best. And I'd probably say non-league. I'd probably even say a, a guy, Gary Haylock, was the manager at Hayes and Yedin. Just a, a very, very good tactically. Really, really was. And um, which is why we, we did so well uh, at Hayes and Yedin. Because they were a club who hardly had any budget. But he managed to get a group of players there who just... We just played and fought for everyone, fought for everything, and fought for, and that's why we had the success off the pit or on the pitch. Sorry, mm. just had the recipe right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This um, this question I wasn't going to use actually, but it, it comes back to something you said, and it it comes from Amy Hines, and it's is enough done for players who after they retire and it's a bit of an open question and I think it's quite interesting about what you said you kind of had a had a bit of a plan in place in the sense of you know what you were going to do afterwards and I think your your entry into the professional game was slightly different as well in the sense of you were working quit your job play professional football had an idea and and you know and and not probably not seamlessly there's a lot to miss I, I, I get that but do you think there's enough because of the money in the game now that there's enough out there for, for, for players that either don't make it or, you know, go on to have career. You know, we spoke to Tommy Hoban recently, you know, ex-Watford and, and yeah. you know, he had he had a, a career, you know, a decent career, but ended a lot, a lot sooner than he anticipated. It's just an opinion thing, really, from, from a player, I guess, to see if, if you think there's enough done for players outside of the game. Yeah, I, be- I believe there is a lot more done now. I think for me, when I finished, it was, yeah, it was great. I got paid up from Brentford, but it wasn't a massive contract. I mean, at Watford, yeah. I can tell you, I was, on, I was only on £1,000 a week. Really? In 2003? £1,000 a week, yeah. £1,000 a week I was getting paid, which probably might shock a lot of people because they would probably assume that I was on big money or something like that yeah, or, yeah. or big-ish money. Now we get bonuses, you know, I'm quite happy to tell you guys it was 20 odd years ago, it doesn't bother me but it was, I was on, it was £500 an appearance £500 a win at the time um, there was no goal bonus, nothing like that Boo. So um, <laughs> You were banging it yeah. in, yeah <laughs> now, Yeah, exactly, yeah, disappointing but it was, uh, so you had some great months but it was never enough to reti- never enough to, to put away really, you kind of, you know, I had a mortgage to pay and stuff like that so mm. you were getting paid you know above average I suppose you could say but when I got paid up from Brentford it was great but the you know I was able to go and do a course but I went from earning a thousand pound a week at Brentford Mm. as well to earning 70 pound a day doing plumbing yeah because I was starting off as a junior so it was it was then having to put the mortgage on the credit card that's why I was playing playing non-league as well and whilst the money was okay in non-league then it was nowhere near what it is now Mm. you know and it's with probably even like your League One, your League Two and your Championship now, the money's got more. So yeah, so, you know, and the PFA would never, they never helped me at the time. They'd help towards my courses. They'd pay 50% of my course fees and stuff like that, which was brilliant at the time, was really mm, good. Mm. But I think then maybe there needs to be more done as in, and whether there is now or not, I couldn't tell you. But it, I've always felt maybe a little bit of, I suppose, education in that respect. Yeah, yeah. Right, football ain't forever. Every footballer isn't become a coach. Every footballer isn't become a manager. So, or a pundit um, or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I think, you know, I think, 
is um, players will go and just work a nine till five or an eight, you know, eight till four. So it's like, how can you bed them in maybe to start with and happen in a very early on? So, mm. and I believe, I believe there is a, there is a bigger place for that in the PFA. And I always kind of felt over the years, I always felt maybe that was something I could even look into doing to maybe kind of go and help like the young kids and stuff like that, or the, or the mid twenties kind of players who maybe were kind of, there's so many who were just like on the fringe of first team or playing reserves or not really going anywhere and you know you kind of think well there's so many players like that so yeah i think now now as well a lot of players themselves are probably a lot more acute to it and stuff like that kind of setting themselves up with side businesses and stuff like that and yeah have you but i do think especially for the lower leagues a lot more could be done um definitely and like i said maybe there is but i think it, it's definitely something that needs to be looked at and really looked after because once yeah. you're a, once you're a professional footballer you're always a member of the pfa so yeah. Yeah, exactly and the big worry for me as well is like there's so many players uh, sorry so many young kids that are getting signed at such a young age yeah they're stupid going, not, yeah you know and they're getting you know, and the parents are kind of getting carried away with the whole the whole of it. Oh, my son's at this club, this club, or my, you know, and what have you. And I just think, you know, and, and, it, and daughters as well, I suppose, nowadays. Yeah, of course, as well. yeah. Mm. More so. So, yeah, so I think they just, it, it, that reality needs to, needs to be, needs to come. And I think, you know, a lot of it's probably to do with parents as well at such a young age and stuff like that. I think just expectations, because the percentages of making it, like, I think it's like 0.01% or something. Yeah, kids who, more, ch- more chance of winning the lottery, right? Really. It, it is absolutely absolutely you know so it's just um you know not just making it but then also making a big name for yourself as well yeah. so a lot that you can have done from from now and even from a young age really i think kids it's the best dream in the world to have if you're if you're a young kid who lost football and that's what you want to do but i think no matter how good you are you always need that um right what if things don't work out yeah of course yeah, of course, but of course, you, 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 know. you came at it from a slightly different way, though. So you, you weren't, yeah. you know, an academy player that didn't get a chance. You were quite the opposite, almost. You were sort of in a lower league team, and your chance came along, and you grabbed it. So it's, it's yeah, yeah it's, absolutely, absolutely. So I think there was always that kind of work ethic was always instilled in me as well. Not that I'm saying that, like football hasn't no, no, got work yeah, yeah. No, no, it, but, but you've had that, yeah. you've had that exposure to it where me, you I, haven't come through yeah. a youth academy and so forth. Yeah, so no, exactly. Yeah, I went to sixth form, and I kind of left there and went into full-time work and yes football was it was my dream dream and stuff like that and um but yeah I was always kind of you know the same with my family it's always they've had a good work ethic and everything like that so I've had good surroundings and stuff like that so even though financially it was difficult I always knew I could get back to a, a good level within an industry Fantastic. Yeah. great question um last one for me comes from uh, Danny Evans and this is I like these questions Funniest story, if it's suitable, of course, uh, from inside the Watford camp, whether it be training, a match day, a manager, uh, a, a member of the team. Is there a, is there a story that stands out for you that you can tell us? I always I always remember is um, I'm sure Jay Demerit was. Um, I think I was there, or maybe I wasn't, but I always remember him. I'm sure he got lucky when uh, in Austria. I mean, like that they were, and he missed the flight back. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> um, he was otherwise he, engaged. Otherwise engaged. Yeah. So. That that was um, that was absolutely hilarious. I always remember like hearing that. So that was um, that was brilliant. But that's kind of the only one that really sticks out for me and stuff like that. That's the only clean one, anyway. Though <laughs> that wasn't even that clean. <laughs> yeah, I like it. He is a great character, and he seems to be doing so well. You know, I follow him on Instagram and Facebook. He was actually up at the a beer. Uh, oh, it's like a craft beer place up in Little Chalfont. There, I forget the, the guy's names now. Oh, right I here. know. Yes, it's up near the station. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and Jade Merritt. I think he lived with them or something like that. Oh, um, really? Okay. Very, was very close to them in some sort of uh, capacity. So yeah, he's he came up there for a, a beer about I must be about two three years ago now. But oh, I kind of saw on his Twitter he was up there. So I was like, mate, I'm on my way. So I went and met him for a beer up there. Yeah, fantastic. So was, yeah, uh, which was brilliant. But he's doing he's done so well and he's done you know with his um he does he does his camps up there and stuff like that. And uh, you know I always remember watching his um I was on the way, my way back from Thailand and stuff like that watching his movie on the plane and stuff like that and you know he's a great inspiring he's a really inspiring lad really good uh, really good guy and in, in general and a good uh, I think he's a Watford ambassador now as well he is. So yeah, North, America, North America yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 brilliant yeah. you know just he was out in America recently with Shearer or think like that yeah Hollywood yeah. yeah Harry the Hornet that must be not in that costume I reckon yeah, yeah, stuff <laughs> Hi, I'm Paul Robinson, or Robbo, in your eyes. 
and you are listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Scott, thank you very much for coming on the podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. No, it's been brilliant. Absolutely. Really enjoyed it. Great speaking to you both. Scott, just on a, on a personal day, and I, I really mean this, your story is incredible. You know, you've lived people's dreams, mate. Truly, truly. Uh, and you're a great bloke as well. Really humble. And it's, it's honestly fantastic to talk to you. No, brilliant, honestly. And, and uh, hopefully it gives uh, a few young kids, hopefully... Uh, don't get you know don't ever give up, give up your dream but hopefully gave the rest of the uh, listeners a bit of a insight into um, kind of my life as a Watford footballer and uh, you know how I got there and where I ended up and where yeah. I am fantastic mate fantastic, fantastic. any positive no memories of you mate you know just just great thank you for playing for us no absolutely and good absolutely. good luck with the business absolute in the future pleasure. thank you yeah, Scott fantastic thank you cheers Tom, mate cheers Scott cheers now Ta-da. Ta-da. bye, bye. Podcast Network. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around you got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? <whistles> At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See McDonald's.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.